Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Well, if you got your Bibles, Acts chapter 16, 1 through 5, as Pastor Matt just, just read, we'll dive in in a moment. I, so I was a, I was a marketing major at, at Texas A&M, and I, I know, I know uh, while, while some of you were taking differential equations, I was coloring in my world map for my global marketing class. Um, Here's the thing uh, about being a marketing major. I, I, knew, I knew what I didn't like. I, I knew I, I wasn't crazy about statistics, uh, the marketing research, the, the analysis side, the, the numbers, the details. Uh, definitely not my jam, right? Shocker for those who know me. Uh, at, at one point, uh, between my, my, probably my, my sophomore and junior year, I was considering sales. I thought about going the NBA route, not NBA route. I uh, had to hang up the basketball shoes a little earlier. Uh, the NBA route. Uh, I was also, I love the creative side of advertising. And, and so Steph swears that I could have been a, a really like mean uh, jingle writer, commercial jingle, jingle writer. Um, but the aspect of, of marketing that, that fascinated me the most it was the strategic side of marketing, uh, thinking, thinking through a product, thinking through the messaging, thinking through the, the, the target market from start to finish, and, and listen, streamlining everything that, that you, you did as a company around what you said your mission was, around what you said your, your goal actually was. God had different plans, okay? So, so God had different plans, and, and by my senior year, I knew, I knew that God was calling me into full-time ministry, and so the, the career path shifted, but, but the mindset did, did not. The mindset never shifted, and, and, and as, I, as I immersed myself in the local church, and as I, as I looked around kind of the, the local church landscape all around me, there, there was, there was this, this nagging sense, there was just this nagging sense that the church wasn't making and, and producing what we say we are, Right? As I looked around, that's, that's what I, I, I was feeling. So That so much of our ministries and so much of our systems and the things that we're doing really do little to nothing to advance the mission of Jesus in the world. Church, our, our job, Christian, your job, church, our job is to help others know and follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. To make disciples. And, and, and so much of, of my journey, I feel like in ministry, it has been uh, geared around defining discipleship, making sure we understand what it is, and then spurring the local church on to make, uh, make sure that we make making disciples the main thing. And so the, the question this morning as we dive into our text, Christian, the question is, what about you? It is, 
Is Christianity something that you fit into your life? Or does your life revolve around following Jesus? I'm going to let that one sit for a minute. Is, is Christianity something that, that you just kind of fit into your life? Or does your entire life revolve around following Jesus? See, American... American Christianity has created this version of a Christian that's a non-disciple maker. And, and, and I know, I know this, this may be hard for some to hear, uh, but that's not really biblical, church family. It's not, it's not, really, it's not really biblical. See, God, God saved you, Christian, to set you apart. He saved you to set you apart for His purposes and His plans, not, not your own. And so the question becomes, Christian, will you, will you let the Spirit of God redirect your rhythms, redirect your patterns, redirect your priorities to make God's mission the primary focus and goal of your life, no matter what you're doing? And if so, we, we've got to examine, we've got to begin to examine the DNA of discipleship, the DNA of, of disciple-making. And right from the jump on Paul's second missionary journey, see Acts 13 and 14, just by way of reminder, the, the first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. Uh, then you've got Acts 15 and the Jerusalem Council. Last week we talked about the squabble, right? We talked about the, the squabble between Paul and Barnabas. And now you jump into the second missionary journey with Paul and Silas. And we're going to look at the DNA of a disciple maker and, 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 and right from the jump again, you see this as Paul and Silas add a teammate to their gospel squad. And so as we, as we look at verse 1, once you look at Acts 16.1, it says this, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. And we're going to stop right there. First thing that first point I want to make this morning is that disciple makers, they boldly follow up and follow through. Amen. Disciple makers boldly follow up and follow through. I want you to look at your neighbor uh, and say, follow up. Follow up. Look at your other neighbor on the other side, say, follow through. Follow through. So, so Paul and Silas, they, they would have traveled through, I know this geography is not necessarily going to mean much to us as Americans, but it's important to know, they went through what was called the Cilician Gates, through uh, the, this Taurus mountain range, uh, and, and they would have come first to the southeastern uh, Galatian border to the city of Derby before making their way to Lystra. And, and so this time around, they were hitting the cities in, in reverse order from the first missionary journey. They're coming in from the opposite direction. And so last week we, we talked about the strategy of, of the second missionary journey was to go back to the churches that had been previously planted a year or so before. These Galatian churches. And they wanted to not only encourage those churches, but they wanted to share with them the, the news and the decisions from the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. Kent Hughes says this, Paul and Barnabas were not willing to make the mistake so often made in modern day evangelism, that of allowing converts to go their own way without following up. I, I call it a shotgun wedding with Jesus, right? <laughs> you do? I do? Okay, see ya. <laughs> That's not cool. 
Listen, listen to Paul's heart as a disciple maker. He said this to the church at Thessalonica. He said, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. Man, that's, that's Paul's heart as a disciple maker. And we, listen, you, you can, as you read the letter of Galatians, you can see it in Galatians too. You see his heart as a disciple maker. You see that his, his heart for the church, it's so evident. Even though in Galatians chapter 3, he does call them fools. Uh, and he also calls them out in chapter 1 for abandoning uh, the gospel. I don't want to belabor this point, but, but let me say this. You don't, you don't risk your life and you don't, you don't risk your stuff for the sake of others growing in their relationship with Jesus unless you are completely sold out to the mission of Christ. Amen? You won't do it unless you're completely sold out to the mission of Matthew 28, 18-20 of making disciples of all nations. In restoration, we, we use Matthew 4.19, and, and, and that's how we define discipleship. Matthew 4.19, Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so we say, follow me, a disciple is one who is following Jesus. I will make you, a disciple is, is one who's being transformed by Jesus. I'll make you fishers of men. A disciple is one who's committed to the mission of Jesus. And within that, we see that being a disciple, it impacts your head, it impacts your heart, it impacts your habits, what you're doing. It's all of it. It's all of it. My wife, Stephanie, has this delicious dish that she fixes. It's just, it's, uh, it's sausage and, and rice, and then like this whole smorgasbord of vegetables that she chops up and throws in. And it is, it is amazing, uh, but you would not know it's amazing if you watched uh, our six-year-old Benjamin eat it, okay? <laughs> ben, ben will inevitably get two sausage bites and maybe like a, a grain of rice, uh, and then he will pick out... He will pick out, church family, every last carrot, squash, zucchini, sweet potato, peppers. Like, he, like Ben won't touch them. He won't touch them. And so it might appear that he's actually eating dinner, but in reality, it's just like a little sausage and rice snack. Okay? Uh, church, this is how we approach discipleship in the American church. Right? Say, hey, I know that this is supposed to be the main thing that is a Christian that characterizes my life. Make, make disciples of Jesus, right? I know that this is, this is what I'm supposed to do, and I'm supposed to do all of it, all of it. I meet with people, pray with people. I'm to share Jesus. I'm to devote myself to the Scriptures with others. I'm to worship together. We're to serve together. We're to give our money and our time and our energy to follow Jesus and to help others follow Jesus and grow. And it's like, oh, you know what? I, I, don't, really, I don't really do, I don't like zucchini. Let's take that out. You know what? Like, let's leave out the squash. I, you know, personally, I'm not really a, a, a sweet potato guy. So let's go ahead and let's go ahead and pick that out, too. And here's the translation. 
you know, like we don't really have to open our Bibles, right? We, we, don't, we don't have to open. We don't, we don't have to pray. We don't have to pray for our lost friends who don't know Jesus. I mean, like after all, I don't, I don't really, I don't have the gift. It's not a spiritual gift of mine, evangelism, actually opening up my, my mouth and talking about Jesus. Um, in fact, we don't like we really don't have to meet or or when we do, we can we, we can just talk about our lives and what's going on in our lives and magically pretend like in an hour uh, we our lives are going to look just a whole lot more like Jesus. And we're saying, gosh, my, my, my schedule is just so full with all the things um, I, I just don't have I just don't have time for the primary thing. That God wants from me and for me as a follower of Jesus. Church, don't, don't approach discipleship like, like my six-year-old approaches dinner. Amen? Let's not do that. It's not a, it's not a pick and choose. You, you, you've got you've to be all in. And, 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 and listen, hear my heart, but I, I want to just lay out a challenge. And if, if this is... Uh, if, if you profess to follow Jesus and maybe this is the first time that you've walked into a Sunday morning worship service at Restoration, uh, here, here, listen, I, I'm just going to put this out here. Listen, don't, don't, don't come to Restoration Church, Brian, to, to be a bystander. Don't, don't come to be on the sidelines. Don't come just to, just to consume. See, this is, this is what we've done in the American church. Right, we've we've reduced the church to just speaking and singing. And, and, and let me tell you, like I, I, I love I love Cedric Shy. <laughs> Uh, I like I, I would I would like die for this man. Right. And he is an incredibly talented worship leader. But listen, it's not about him. It's, it's not a it's not about me. Like we are nobodies. Like we are nobodies that are just like praising Jesus that he has allowed us to be a part of his movement. And so know this, if you if you come to restoration, we stand in a long line of Paul's. It goes back to Jesus, but Paul's disciple making. Amen. And so Paul wasn't content with like putting church plants on his resume. Right. He he wasn't content with the crowds. He wanted to make disciples of Jesus, and so do we. And so we, we follow up, and, and we follow through, and we call people out of an increasingly pagan American culture that is all about self and stuff. A culture, a culture that is normalizing sin all around us, and we say, come and follow Jesus. Not the Jesus of your own imagination. Come and follow the Jesus of the Bible and, and lay down your life and die to yourself and follow Him. Live for Him. Know this, if, if, you, if you stick around long enough and, 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 and if you profess to follow Jesus, uh, we, there's a sense in which we, 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 we kind of want you to be uncomfortable. <laughs> if, if, your faith is not, Christian, the, the, the primary driving force and aim of your life. We, we want to press in and continually point you back to Jesus. To find your life and, and your identity and your, your mission in Christ. Christian, we, we stand in a long line of biblical disciple makers who boldly 
followed up and followed through. Amen. Let's do this one more time. Make sure we're paying attention. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, follow up. Look at your other neighbor and say, follow through. Awesome. Second point this morning. Look at, look at the second part of, of verse 1 through verse 3. It says, a disciple was there named Timothy. He was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Here's where it gets fun. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And I'll go through verse four. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So they, the, the decisions made by the, the council, the Jerusalem council. Second point this morning that I want to make is disciple makers, they bring others into the mission. They bring others into the mission. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, bring others in. Bring others in. All right, look at your other neighbor and say, bring others in. Historically, it is believed that, that Timothy was a, the text tells us he was a, a disciple in the Greek, mathetes, it's a follower or a pupil, but historically it's believed for, he was from the town of Lystra. We know from 2 Timothy that, that both his grandmother Lois and his, his mother Eunice were, were Christians in that not only that, but they were most likely saved. They came to faith in Jesus on Paul's first missionary journey to the region of Galatia. We also know uh, that Timothy had been taught the scriptures from childhood, 2 Timothy 3.15. And, and so in Acts 14, uh, Paul, Paul was in Lystra and Paul was stone, not the drugs kind of stone, but the large hurling rocks kind of stone. OK, and he was I just feel like you got to clarify culturally. OK, and so he was left for dead in Lystra. But immediately after after this attempted murder, Paul goes right back into Lystra in Acts 14. Right back in to strengthen the disciples, to plant churches, to appoint pastors and elders and, and, and let this sink in and just and just humor, humor me with a, a little bit of, of sanctified speculation. Right. This is this is sanctified speculation. What a cool thought. What a cool thought. If again, if Eunice, grandmother and Lois, mother, or I got that backwards, came back. Or came to faith in Lystra after Paul was stoned and boldly came back into the city. And what a, what a cool thought. But the, verse 2, the text tells us that Timothy was well spoken of by the Christians there. He was well spoken of by the Christians in Lystra and Iconium. And in, in, in the Greek, that, that word martyro is, is a sense is, is, is to be affirmed favorably by by firsthand authentication right that's what that word in the greek means it means to to be affirmed favorably uh, by firsthand authentication you say well why 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 is why is this important faithfulness begets faithfulness amen christian when when you are 
when you are faithful in the little, listen, when, when your character is, is proven and tried and faithful in the little, God knows that you will be faithful with much. And so the point is this, long before Timothy was Paul's son in the faith, long before we had, we had letters of, of the New Testament written from Paul to Timothy long before God put Timothy on team Paul uh, to travel the world sharing Jesus. Timothy was faithful in the Galatian church. Amen? He was just faithful in the Galatian church. Now, now, now verse 3 is a, is, a, is a fun verse to exposit. It's a verse that many have tried to use as like this kind of aha gotcha verse to trap Paul in, in, a, in, a, in a seeming contradiction, especially when you look at verse 3 next to verse 4 juxtaposed together, it, it should pause and make us ask, what, what is Paul doing here? Like, what is, he, what is he doing in light of the Jerusalem council in regard to the decision on circumcision not to require, hey, Gentiles, you do not have to be circumcised to, to trust and follow Jesus. Salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. This was a, and it was a decision that they were traveling around sharing with the Gentile churches. So why in the world would, would Paul have Timothy circumcised the text tells us because of the Jews. Was this the same Paul who had written Galatians 1.10? For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was Paul, is he now people pleasing? What does this brother do? Was he, was he compromising the gospel? And the answer actually lies within the text. It's there in the text. Tim's father, Timothy's father, was Greek. He was Greek. And based on the specific mention of Timothy's mother being a Christ follower in 2 Timothy 1.5, we can, we can infer that more than likely his father was not a Christian. His father was not a, a believer. Tony Marita says this rabbinic law taught that a child born of a Jewish mother and a Greek father was considered to be Jewish. They would have considered Timothy Jewish. So Paul, Paul was being prudent. He knew that Timothy could bridge. He could be a bridge. He could bridge both cultures due to to his family heritage. But Timothy was still considered a Jewish man through his mother's lineage. And so again, Church, Paul's missionary strategy was to always start in the local Jewish synagogue. To start in the synagogue if there was one. So R.C. Sproul, he puts it like this. Paul, Paul made a decision not based on theology or, or ethics, but on strategy. On strategy. It was strategic to circumcise Timothy, Sproul says, because he was taking Timothy with him into a region of many Jews who were well aware of Timothy's background. Culturally, they would have considered Timothy an apostate Jew. F.F. Bruce says they would have considered him a violator of the covenant. And what that meant, it meant if both he and Paul, both he and Paul would have been banned from even stepping foot in the synagogue. If they were traveling together, both he and Paul would have immediately been banned from the synagogue. It's, it's like this. Imagine, 
students, imagine graduating from A&M and, and, and being, being called to a campus ministry and being relocated to Austin and doing ministry on the UT campus. <laughs> they need Jesus too, okay? <laughs> You're like, his ministry to the Longhorns. <laughs> Here's the deal. You, you could absolutely wear your Aggie t-shirts every day while doing ministry. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you could, but the reality is that would be a major stumbling block for you to reach Longhorns for Jesus. So for the sake of removing the obstacle, you, you probably forego sporting maroon. Now I know, listen, um, there's a, obviously there's a massive difference between t-shirts and circumcision, Okay. <laughs> That's where it breaks down. But here's the deal. In the same way, hear me. Understand where Paul was. Paul understood that to continue to use the synagogue as, as a, a launch pad for, for ministry, for teaching, for preaching. Timothy, as a, as a Jewish man, wisdom, wisdom said, this, this brother probably, let's go ahead and get him circumcised. Now, now, side note, just don't, don't think too hard about how they would have checked us as men went into the synagogue. I don't know, I don't know how that went down. 1 Corinthians 9 says this, verse 20 through 23. That's going to hit some of y'all later. <laughs> to the Jews, I became a Jew. 1 Corinthians 9, 20 through 23. This is Paul talking. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not, my, not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Paul says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in the blessing. See, Paul wanted people to know Jesus. That's it. That's it. He just wanted people to know Jesus. He, he would never step off the gospel that, that salvation was by grace through faith alone in Jesus. See, Paul, Paul around this time... Adamantly, maybe a little later, he adamantly refused to circumcise Titus, a Gentile believer in Galatians 2. Because it was being pushed upon him by the Judaizers as a condition for salvation. But Paul was willing to become all things to all people in order to reach more with the good news. And so church, here's, here's the reality. They... They were going city to city sharing the decisions of the Jerusalem council. And, and what becomes obvious in our text is that Timothy, Howard Marshall says this, Timothy is clearly being treated as a Jew and his experience was no precedent for what Gentiles should do. Y'all got that? Timothy was being treated as a Jew and in no way was this a precedent for what Gentiles should do. For Timothy, circumcision was, was voluntary. It, it, was, it was for the sake of strategy, not, not salvation. They weren't adding works to salvation. And so let, let, me, let, me just, let me just bring some application to bear on this and then we'll hit our third point. We'll be done. What do we do with this? Listen, 
the heart. Think about Paul and Silas bringing Timothy in. Think about him, them bringing him into the mission, into the strategy to reach more and more and more people, the whole Roman world for Christ. The heart and passion of a disciple maker is to bring others into the mission. Amen. That's it. And so, Christian, is that is that your heart? Is is your faith? Hear me. Like, is your faith all about you? Is it about your personal growth and your worship and your experience? Or is the desire of your heart to bring others into the mission? That they, that they might know Jesus and His grace and His goodness and life in Him. See, discipleship, it's not a, it's not a microwave. It's not like a multi-level marketing scheme. It's not a microwave. It's more like a slow cooker, Okay. Are you willing to dig in with others to, to enter into their, the, the, the mess of their lives and to invite them into the mess of your own life as you pursue Jesus together? See, part of the problem is this. When you don't have a clear sense of, of a biblical mission for your life, there's a good chance that you're not going to invite others. You, you won't invite others into the mission of Christ. And so step one is, is, is to get off the sidelines and get into the mission. And step two is bring others along. You bring others along. Third point this morning. Verse five says this. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Third point is this. Disciple makers build faith and they bolster the church. They build faith and they bolster the church. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, build faith. Look at your other neighbor and say, bolster the church. See, verse 5 is one of many, uh, you see these throughout Acts. It's one of many progress reports in Acts. And church, listen, this, this sermon series, it's, it's called the mission and the movement of God. It's this idea that when the gospel is at work and moving, that, that stuff happens. And as you read Acts, it's important not to gloss over these status updates of the church. Listen, like Acts 2.41, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not a humble brag, right? It's not, it's not like Peter was saying, hmm, I don't know, guys. I don't know what happened. I, you know, I got done preaching and like 3,000 3, people responded. So, you know, no big deal. <laughs> That's not what's going on there. Acts 4.3's report of the number of men growing to 5,000. It's not, it's not placing the emphasis on Peter and John. And here too, the glory, listen, the glory was not Paul's or Silas's or Timothy's. The glory belonged to God. Amen? The glory was all God as the name of Jesus was being lifted up. But don't miss it. The church was strengthened. It increased in numbers daily. God gets the glory, but He uses disciple makers to build faith and to bolster the church. Amen? Church, we, we, we've got to get back to, to this expectation of, of God moving and growing us. Not, not just numerically, but spiritually. Amen? See, Acts reveals when the 
when the gospel is being proclaimed and disciples are being made like this, this it's, it's the norm. But here's here's what you need to understand. Just like in Paul's day, there were there were those there were those who missed it. There were those there were those who completely missed it. And, and, and I'll just say this. Christian. You you can't. You can't be a disciple if you're not in community. Amen? You can't. You, you, may, you may have a, a hundred reasons why you're not in biblical community. There, there might not be one bad thing that, uh, that others could point to in your schedule that is inherently wrong. But patterns reveal priorities. Patterns reveal priorities. And if you're not regularly in the Word of God with others, if you're not regularly praying with God's people, if you're not regularly sharing Jesus, if you're not regularly opening up your life to accountability and uh, communal mission, you, ba- you may be more of, a, of an American Christian than a biblical one. Be in community. Be in accountable community that points you to Jesus, to, that points you to mission, to make disciples of Jesus. I'll, I'll close with this and then we're done. Close with this. Reverend Michael Jenkins once shared a, a story about Clarence Jordan, the, the author of the Cotton Patch New Testament translation and founder of the inter- interracial koinonia farm in America's Georgia. And, and the story said uh, that, that Clarence Jordan was getting a, a red carpet tour of another minister's church. And with pride, the minister pointed to the church and uh, the, the rich imported pews and the luxurious decorations. And as they stepped outside and darkness was falling, a spotlight shone on a huge cross on the steeple. That cross, it cost us $10,000, the minister said with a, with a satisfied smile. And Jordan, Jordan looked at him and said, you got cheated. <laughs> Times were when Christians could get those crosses for free. Church, what a good reminder that 2,000 years ago, Christ's followers were counting the cost of following Jesus and many were laying down their lives and being nailed to the same type of crosses that their Savior was as they followed in His footsteps. And today, listen, today we got to ask, do we hold to a form of Christianity while not only denying its power but while also completely disregarding the mission? Do we hold to a form of Christianity that not only denies the power of Christ, but also disregards the mission of Christ? Martin Luther once said this. He said, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. Say that again. Martin Luther said this. A religion that gives nothing, costs nothing and suffers nothing is worth nothing. Church family, Jesus, Jesus gave it all. Amen. 
Jesus gave it all. God, God became flesh. He dwelled among us. He poured His life in the very Word of God into 12 followers, 12 men. And Jesus, he, he, His perfect, spotless life was poured out at the cross for your sin and, and for my sin. But listen, death, death could not hold the author of life. Amen? Death couldn't hold the author of life. Jesus rose and He stands ready. Check this out. He stands ready not just to forgive, not just to forgive you. Man, that's the ground floor. He's inviting you into His life, to a life that is abundant, a life that is eternal. But you can't help, you can't help others know and follow Jesus until you follow him yourself. And so today, will you surrender to the call, the call of Christ? Y'all pray with me this morning.